Love it. Well, hey, Coastline, uh, really good to be with you. Uh, thanks for tuning in um, and joining us on YouTube and Facebook and everywhere this is going to be. Uh, a couple announcements to make everybody aware of. Um, this coming Sunday, May 16th, we will have our next community event. Uh, we will have coffee and donut truck uh, at the Chamberlain home. And their home backs up uh, to the top of Friendship Park. And so we'll get an opportunity to eat some donuts, have some coffee, uh, play some games. And it's basically just a fun time just to hang out. Uh, give people a taste of what we mean when we say a joyful community. So remember to come out and join us uh, this Sunday at 10 a.m. And remember to invite uh, your friends and neighbors and coworkers because all are welcome. Um, and then we have our next preview service on May 23rd at St. Andrews at 4 o'clock and 6 o'clock. Uh, we had our first preview service there a week and a half ago, May 2nd. Many of you were with us, and that was a tremendous uh, time. Uh, make sure you come join us for the 23rd. It uh, should be a really good time. We're looking forward to it, so come out and uh, come be with us. Okay, well, hey, um, I have an opportunity here to do a little bit of teaching. Um, I'd like to start just sharing a, a short story. Uh, in 2018, my family and I had this amazing opportunity to go to Rome. And we spent a few days in Rome, and my son actually bought a really cool necklace at a vendor. You know, it wasn't very expensive. I think it was made of leather, but it was really cool, and he really liked it. And unfortunately, when we left the hotel to go home, somehow it got misplaced or dropped, and we accidentally left it there. So when we got home, you know, through the time delay and everything, I finally got a hold of the hotel and said, hey, I think we left this necklace not expecting that they would find it, but you know maybe they would try. And the good news was they found the necklace. So we were all excited. He was gonna get his necklace back. Um, and I remember those three weeks, we just waited by our front door. Like every day, my son was waiting for a package to show up and we waited and we waited. Three weeks went by, maybe a month went by. I called them, I tried to figure out what's going on and they said, no, we sent it and we're not really sure. So another week went by, my, my son kind of lost hope and, and just forgot that you know the, the necklace was gonna come. And lo and behold, it showed up not on our doorstep, but in our mailbox. And so I remember bringing it into the mailbox and setting it on the counter, and he didn't even know it had arrived, right? Like he had just forgotten that it was gonna arrive because it, it, it took a while. And I think sometimes when we think about living in God's kingdom in the same way, we forget, as we wait for Christ's return, we forget that the kingdom, um, in part, has already arrived. And I think this is really significant as we talk about this idea of all of us being ambassadors. As you know, we're in the series Ambassadors, and last week Dr. Janine uh, talked about this idea of we are friends with God and we are friends with each other. Uh, we are called ambassadors, and it's not an isolated uh, title or opportunity, but really we're called to go and be ambassadors together. And so we're called into this friendship with God and friendship with each other, and that means we have to live in community. So she was talking about this idea of we are living in community together and we are sent together. And what I'd like to do with our time this evening is think about if God's kingdom has already arrived, then how does that impact how we go and live as ambassadors together. 
And if you'll allow me, I want to just look, we're going to look into Luke chapter 10, 1 through 12. And instead of, you know, exegeting every verse, what I'd like to do is just read the verse and then pull out three key themes that I think we need to be aware of that have an impact in our own understanding as to what it means to live as ambassadors together in God's kingdom that is already here. Okay, so let me do this. Let me um, pray and then I'll read the passage and we'll keep rolling here. Father, would you bless our time as we open up your word, your truth. Jesus, we pray that you as the living word would come with the power of the Holy Spirit and would you enlighten our understanding, would you aliven our hearts, and would you help each one of us grab a hold of at least one idea tonight that is helpful to all of us as we think about living as ambassadors in your kingdom in the here and in the now. And so, Father, would you meet us through the power of your word and through the living word who you are, Jesus, would you come and uh, continue to bring your wisdom to bear um, on the text and in our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. So uh, my text for our time is this. It comes out of Luke chapter 10. Let me read verses 1 through 12. It says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you. For the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. Verse 8. When you enter a town and you are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into the streets and say, Even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on, uh, on that day for Sodom than for that town. And so the first idea that I want to put in front of us is this. When the arrival of God's, uh, the, with the arrival of God's kingdom on earth, every follower of Jesus is sent. This reality that God's kingdom is upon us is here already. It means that you and I, as followers of Jesus, we have been sent. Look with me back into uh, 10 verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where they were about to go. And so you see this theme in the chapter right before in Luke chapter 9, 1 and 2, Jesus sends out the 12, right, for ministry. And now in chapter 10, he sends out the 72. And what I love about the 72, I like to call them the others. It's the expanded discipleship circle of Jesus. We all know the 12 disciples and the 12 apostles, and they are God's, uh, Jesus's inner circle, and they are sent out on mission. But one thing that's really surprising is it's not just a mission for the 12, it's a mission for the 72. And so the wider circle of discipleship is sent out. And what I love about calling them the others Have you ever thought of this, that scripture is usually very specific when it wants us to know something? 
And yet I think here they're specifically broad to just let us know the number, but not the name of the ex uh, external circle of disciples around Jesus. And so in some ways you could call these other 72 that are appointed by Jesus and sent out, you could call them the nameless ones, right? Because scripture doesn't name them. Their name is not important. And I think that's important for us to grab a hold of as we think about our lives and the reality of, as followers of Jesus Christ, as we live in his current kingdom, he sends us. He sent the 12 disciples. He sends the 72 or the others. And the nameless get sent out. And so it's not about your ability. It's not about your gift mix. It's not about your talent. Um, or if you're an all-star for the kingdom. It's not about your skill, your status, or even your platform. This reality that in the inauguration of God's kingdom coming in Jesus Christ, any follower of Jesus is somebody who has been sent by Jesus. Now, I don't know about you. We tend to think about, man, you want to send those that are the most gifted, you know, those that can communicate the best. And it seems to me like Jesus isn't really worried about that. We're going to find out why here in a second. But he sends all of us, right? The Father sent Jesus, Jesus and God sent the Holy Spirit, Jesus and the Holy Spirit send us. The first point as we think about being ambassadors who live in God's kingdom now is that you and I have been sent. And I think what's important to keep in front of us is this, is that any church's kingdom impact, the, key, the impact that any church is going to have has more to do with the hearts of the people. Meaning this, the more you and I and all of the others recognize that they have been sent and they live into this idea of being sent ambassadors of God's kingdom, that's truly how we have a tremendous kingdom impact. More important than the skill set of the staff or the depth of the programs is the people of God's church understanding that they have been sent out as his ambassadors and us grabbing a hold of this and living into this wholeheartedly. I think if we do this, I think if every one of us understands I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, I live in his kingdom today, and I have been sent. I think if we do that, then we see the book of Acts, the early church, we will see it be made manifest in our presence. And I don't know about you, but Acts is one of my favorite books of scripture. It's so exciting. There is so much happening. The kingdom of God is advancing. People are coming to know Jesus. And I believe that will happen when you and I recognize that we are the others and we have been sent. Okay, so the kingdom of God has come and we are all sent. Uh, the next idea is this, that with the arrival of God's kingdom, our role is to help people see, not to push them through a door. Let me say that again. If God's kingdom is here now, what is our role as ambassadors? It's not to push people through a door. It's to help them see reality. I mean, look with me back in verse 9 and verse 11. Jesus says it twice. He says, he sends the 72 out to heal and to proclaim that the kingdom of God has come near to you. And then he says again in verse um, 11, the kingdom of God has come near. And multiple places in Luke chapter 4 and Mark chapter 1 verse 14, Jesus says the kingdom is here. The kingdom is in your midst. And if the kingdom is here, 
that our work as an ambassador has more to do with helping people see the reality that's already here. And I think this has huge implications as we think about, well, how do you and I live as ambassadors? Because it means that our job really more is to point out and to show and to reveal the reality of God's kingdom is here and now in the presence of Jesus and within his church. More than trying to drive people toward a destination or trying to drive them toward an event. I sometimes get caught up in this too. And thinking about an ambassador, I'm thinking about, okay, how do I get you know, said person from point A to point B? right? How do I get them to an event or how do I get them through a church door? But if God's kingdom is here, then our role as ambassadors has more to do with revealing truth that's already here than it does pushing people. And I'd like to give you maybe a a way to think about it. If we're ambassadors and God's kingdom is here and now, then we function more like um, wind chimes than we do snowplows, right? Think about that with me for a second. Think about what a wind chime does. I have a wind chime out in my yard that I love that actually plays some kind of tune of amazing grace when the wind blows through it. But the, the wind chime doesn't create the wind, right? The wind chime, all it does is it reflects the reality that the wind is there. It lets everybody know that the wind is blowing outside. And I think that's our role as ambassadors in a kingdom that is already here. We're pointing to, we're showing, we're revealing. As the wind of God's kingdom blows through his word and through the living word Jesus and through his church, it should, our lives should be like wind chimes that say, hey, to everybody in our sphere of influence, there's wind happening here that, that God is present. And our job isn't to function like somehow like a snowplow, that is somehow our responsibility and duty to shove everybody through the front door of a church event or a church activity. Now, we want to be people who invite, and we'll talk about that in a second. But I think when we think about, wait, what's my job as an ambassador? It's less about trying to shove people through a door and more about God's kingdom is already here and now. How does my life reveal, show, reflect? If the Spirit of God is blowing in my life, how is my life a wind chime to let everybody else know that God is at work here? And so thinking through this, um, it means that our focus, if we're more like a wind chime and less than a snowplow, or, or, or less like a snowplow, it means that our focus has more to do with revealing to others more than worrying about how they're going to respond. And so how do we reveal? I think a lot of this has to do with how you and I live, how we share our lives with those around us. One of my favorite verses, 1 Thessalonians 2, 8, Paul's writing to the church at Thessalonica and and he simply says, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share not only the gospel with you, but to share with you our very lives as well. And I love that verse because it's like the gospel has changed me. The fact that Jesus Christ died and rose again and I rise with him in new life. The fact that he died on the cross and my sins are forgiven and I'm now counted as his beloved son. Not because what I've done, but because what he's done for me. That's a tremendous, tremendous truth that changes life. And I want to share that with people. But as I do that, I also want to share my life with them. 
And so as we think about how we live as wind chimes, how do we reflect the, the goodness of God's kingdom, we share our lives with people. And, and two very simple points that I want to make, how do we do that well? How do you and I share our lives with people? One is proximity. Without proximity to people, I don't think we can reveal, we can't show, we can't point. They need to know us, we need to know them. And so you, we need to be thinking about, okay, if I'm an ambassador, how, how do I gain proximity with the people around me? How do I get to know them and how do they get to know me? And I, how we answer that question is different depending on personality. Um, so that's, that's important. Um, the other piece I would say is just living honestly. Living honestly uh, before people. Um, I love the way, I forgot to bring it with me. I was going to bring uh, a copy of Steve Carter's book. Uh, living this invitational life. I hope you're reading that with us. I've been really enjoying it. And uh, one of the points that he makes in this sharing your life with others is he, he says that loving others is this tremendous adventure. It's this wild adventure to let somebody close into your life and then to love them well. And if you're bored in your spiritual journey with Jesus, I want to challenge you and say maybe it's because you haven't been on the wild adventure of loving the people around you in a really tremendous and deep biblical way. And so, okay, so what do we do here? If God's kingdom has come, we have been sent. If God's kingdom is here, then we spend the majority of our time revealing the truth that it's here and not necessarily shoving people through a door. And then finally this, with the arrival of God's kingdom, uh, we the others have new purpose, new power, and a fulfilled promise. Okay, so look with me here in 10, 2 through 4. It says, uh, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So then he says, Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandal, and do not greet anyone on the road. And so what you see here is that as we're sent, he's given us this new purpose. He's saying, hey, I am the master of the field. I am the Lord of the harvest. You don't create the harvest. And so our purpose then becomes, okay, I now live my life as a worker in God's harvest field. It's not necessarily living my life the way I want to live it. It's how do I live to please the one who creates the harvest in the field. And it's not surprising that he tells them go, but even before he tells them to go in verse 3, in verse 2, he tells them pray. It says, begin this whole thing of being sent and thinking about how you're reflecting the kingdom as being a person of prayer. And I think he does that recognizing that wait, he controls the harvest, not us. And prayer is this constant uh, posture of dependence that you and I are constantly dependent on the Lord. And what's fascinating about this prayer is it's not a prayer to say, okay, make this great harvest. That's how I would pray. Okay, you're about to send me out. Lord, create a fantastic harvest. He actually says, no, don't pray about multiplying the harvest. Pray about other workers being sent out into the harvest. Have you ever asked yourself why, why that prayer? Why pray for workers instead of praying for a huge harvest? And I think part of it is the reality that a worker in God's harvest has both experienced the gospel 
and then also extends the gospel. And that's what it means to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. Going back to, we are all sent. We are the others. We are the 72. We are sent out to both experience the gospel and then extend the gospel to others. And that's the, the new purpose that God has given us. We also see in this passage that we've been given a new power. And this is really important, that he has given us a new power. Because he says here in verse 8, he says he sends them out to enter a town and, and welcome. And he says, eat what is offered to you. And then in verse 9, he says, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. And this isn't just in the sending of the others or sending of the 72. You see the same language in chapter 9 when he sends out the disciples. He gives them authority and power to cast out demons, to heal the sick, and to proclaim the kingdom of God is near. And so we're given, as the kingdom has come as ambassadors, this new purpose and this new power that comes from the Holy Spirit. And this shouldn't be a surprise to us, right? We, we might know uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 16, right? Like, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation for everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. So we know that the gospel, the idea of Jesus Christ crucified, risen again for the forgiveness of sins and for life eternal through the Holy Spirit now and with Christ forever it happens through, right, his death and resurrection. That is the, the spiritual power of the gospel to save. The gospel saves us spiritually. I also believe the gospel saves us emotionally, and it saves us or can rescue us physically as well. It's powerful to save us. It's powerful to emotionally heal us. And it's powerful to also bring physical healing. So again, the salvation piece is not a new idea to us. Emotionally, uh, just think of Peter for a moment. Peter denied Christ three times and was living in the emotional anguish of what he had done to fail his risen Savior. And what does Jesus do? He lovingly, through the grace of who he is, right, he restores him. And as we're saved spiritually through the gospel, it also brings this oftentimes emotional healing to our lives. And for the stuff that we carry that's old baggage in our lives, the reality that we are God's beloved children gives us the, the foundation to be able to look back and say, through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the truth of God's word, we're going to dig up that stuff and redeem it under Christ so that we can move forward. But I also believe that the Holy Spirit can give power to physically heal. And I think this is the most contentious point. This is often a point where many of us can struggle. And we say, okay, he healed in the Bible, but I don't know if God still heals today. And what I would like to simply say about that is, it seems to me that the Bible is tremendously congruent about the idea of sending out his people to proclaim the good news and to give them authority and power that he has, it's his authority and power, through the Spirit, to heal physically when he wants to. You see that pattern in Luke 9, in the sending of the 12. Then you see it in the sending of the 72, in verses 9 and 11. And then you see it at Pentecost in Acts 2, where the Spirit comes down, Peter preaches, 3,000 people are spiritually saved. It is incredible. 
And then right after that, in chapter 3, John and Peter go to the gate beautiful, and what happens? He's begging there, and when, they, when he asks him for something, Peter says, Hey, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have in the name of Jesus Christ I give to you. Lame man, get up and walk. Now, everything in Scripture to me is congruent that God is sending us to proclaim and that there is authority in Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit to save spiritually, emotionally, and physically. And here's the deal. We don't control it. He does, right? I think our job is to pray and to expect. It's God's job to show up and decide what he wants to do. I've prayed for plenty of people and asked for physical healing and haven't seen it, haven't received it. And yet I feel like the right biblical posture is to be open to the reality that there is power from the Lord to heal when he decides that he wants to do. And my job as a follower of Jesus Christ, as somebody who believes his kingdom is here and now, is to pray and say, Lord, if it be your will, I'd like to see this physical healing happen along with this spiritual healing that I know you want to see take place in everybody's life. And so that is our posture. Um, he does get in and later in the verse and he brings a counterbalance. I think as we talk about the reality of physical healing, he brings a counterbalance into the mix and saying, hey, don't chase the power, chase the giver, right? Because that's what he reminds his disciples when they come back in verse 17 and they say, wow, we came back and the, the, even the demons submitted to us in your name. And it's Jesus's way of saying, hey, you know, don't celebrate that the demons submit to you. Rejoice and celebrate that your names are written in the book of life. And he's not saying, look, throw power and authority out. No, I, I have given you that power and authority. Um, so don't, you know, don't throw it out, but don't allow that to be the centerpiece of what you chase. Because I think it's important that we remember that power flows through the intimacy of relationship. We're not enamored by the power, we're enamored by the gospel. We chase the giver, not the gift. And so as we think about God's kingdom, we're given a new purpose, a new power, and then he fulfills a final promise, which is basically, I've come, I'm coming again, and I will reign. Which all we need to know, since we don't know the time or place, is this. Friends, as followers of Jesus Christ, our future is secure. And with our future being secure, it means that we can be, live fully present, fully engaged, and fully alive in this reality of this mission that we've been called into. So that's what I have for us today as you think about following Jesus and the reality of his kingdom being made manifest here and now. Be thinking that, about the reality that you have been sent. You have been sent not to push but to reveal the truth that's already here. We are more wind chime than we are snowplow, and you've been given a new purpose to work your father's harvest. The fruit is up to him, but he has given us authority and power that is his, not ours, to proclaim and bring about um, spiritual life, uh, spiritual renewal, in all of its forms, including um, emotional and physical uh, healing when he decides to do it. So with that, I hope you're blessed. Something to think about. 
Uh, thanks so much for joining us, and we will see you at our community event this Sunday at 10 a.m. Take care, everybody.